Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. We're going to have a little bit of fun here today. How, do you, how many of you like games? Now, the objective behind this game is these, paper, these clothespins are all attached. That You can see there's a string, and they put all the strings go into one container. The winner is the person who has a clothespin on their face last. Just grab and pull. Oh! <laughs> there we go. I think that one hurt. Who's going to win this? Oh, Matt's out. Oh, Kaya is the winner. Thank you, guys. All right, today I want to talk about the cons of relationships. <laughs> and uh, I, think the, I think the illustration is pretty self-evident. That when you get into relationships with others and you start pulling strings, it sometimes hurts. And there's, you know, the, you never know, you, you don't always know what the result will be when you, when you enter, what's going to happen if I get in this relationship? Or I, and, and I guarantee you, if you get into real relationship, some strings are going to get pulled. And the thing is, in this game, the person with the clothespins uh, at the end is the winner. But in real life, it's the person who gets the clothespins off first ends up winning. The person who is willing to just have their strings pulled enough times to pull some of the things out of us. The, the cons of connections is that connections means our strings are going to get pulled. Sometimes intentionally, but oftentimes it's just a, it's a natural result of interacting with others. And Proverbs 27, verse 6, it says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. In other words, there's people who hurt you, but they're good people. And there's people who say nice things to you. They say things you want to hear. They say things that make you feel better about yourself, but they don't have your best interest in mind. Friends say the hard things at the hard times. Doesn't mean that's all they say, but true friends are those that wound you at the right time. We're living in a day and age of, of increasing isolation, and I don't think that's a, particularly a revelation to anybody here today. People are less connected to others than ever before. And, and like the last three years did not help this. But the, I will say, the last three years also did not cause this. As a society, we, we've been headed towards us isolation. I read a book, actually when we planted the church, I got a book called Cocooning. And it was all about how the trend in, this is back in the early 90s, of how the whole trend of society is to make homes, these comfortable cocoons where you live and dwell in, and to minimize the necessary interaction with people in the outside world. That was in the 90s. And, they, 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 and people saw this trend coming. The trend towards isolation has been building for a long time. 
And in the last three years, we just went through a crisis that, that just basically amplified what was already taking place for a long time. The trend towards isolation, it, it wasn't new. It, just got, it just got some jet fuel. But before, before the pandemic, there was a survey done in, in America. It says 40% of Americans have, have no confidants. In other words, nobody they can talk to about personal things. 40%. Basically, it says almost half of people have nobody that they can process pain with. Most of us, or I should say not most, but 40% of us process pain by ourselves. There's an epidemic of loneliness. It's, in fact, I would say it's the, it's the greatest epidemic of our day. The autonomy of Western ind individualism has cost us dearly. That wasn't funny. <laughs> Richard, I'll cue you when you're supposed to laugh. <laughs> that wasn't a joke, I'm sorry. Uh, there's something going on at the front row here. That Look out. Um, okay, moving right along. You know, this has become an increasing challenge, not just for the church. It's become an increasing challenge for all community groups in the Western world. They're all shrinking. Many have closed their doors. And it's not, it, it's not well, people have left the church because they're disillusioned with the church. They've left everything. They've left everything. Some people don't even shop in public anymore. Some people do not walk into a physical store any longer. Everything's online. Everything is just, they pick up at the curb. They don't interact with people. This is a trend that has been building for a long time, but, it, but it's not a healthy trend. And it's an increasing challenge for the church because we are, by definition, a community. By definition, that's what the church is. It's a, it's a group of people called out together. The, the ecclesia, which is a Greek word for the called out ones. Not singular, it's plural. So church, by definition, is plural. And this is a challenge in a society and culture that, is, that its primary message is be true to yourself, you do you, where the vast majority of relationships are transactional, where we can just have, where we enter into agreements with people as long as our needs are met. And if our needs aren't met, we are no longer, and this is becoming the pervasive, uh, this is becoming the pervasive atmosphere in which we live today. We're in relationships because they benefit us or are convenient. We, as soon as we get in relationships that start yanking the strings, we're gone. Well, I don't need that. I got enough stress at work. I don't need to have stress at church. I don't need to be challenged there. I just want you to tell me I'm the best. <laughs> you are the best, but God's going to make you better. Relationship, we need relationships that lead to our freedom. 
And that's what, that's what, the, that's what community or that's what the church is supposed to be, is, a rela- is relationships, a, a group of people that are in more than just casual relationships, but people that are in connected relationships that, that we actually let people pull our strings. Because we don't want the clothespins on our face forever. We want someone to yank them off. If we, if we want intimacy, but we aren't willing to give up our autonomy, we will never experience true intimacy. Intimacy and autonomy, they're like on a balanced scale. And if you, 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 you can't have both, you have to give up one to get the other. The only thing that God declared good about original, original creation, the only thing that, you know, he created Adam, he created the animals, he created everything, he said, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then before sin had ever entered the picture, he said about Adam by himself, he said, this is not good. Adam needs companionship. It is not good to be, it is not good for man to be alone. Man was not declared good until he was in relationship. And you were made for people in such a way that you will be lonely if it's just you and God. Your faith is not just you and God. Your faith is us and God. Some of us don't like that. Because that means it's going to be maybe not easy. It got real quiet in here. Studies are showing that chronic loneliness is more dangerous to our health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Some experts are calling uh, this current epidemic of loneliness uh, that they're saying it's actually maybe, it, it could be one of the most dangerous things that as a society we're facing. Not just socially, but actually physically. And there's there's a, it, an interesting thing has happened is for the first time in over 100 years, the life expectancy in the United States has gone down. And there's a lot of people blame a lot of things for it, but you know one of the things that, that some, of the, some of the people studying it are actually saying, this, this could actually be due to loneliness because loneliness is more dangerous to the body than poor diet. People, people that eat a poor diet are, still have a higher life expectancy than the people who are alone. And so there's, God designed us to need people. And it's crucial that we see our capacity to be lonely is not a sign of God's insufficiency. It's a sign, it's actually a sign of his generosity. That, that loneliness in us, that's actually, that's actually to draw us back into relationship with people. It's a, it's a warning sign in our lives. If, if loneliness is beginning to pervade our life, it's a warning sign you need to get connected. Just like hunger tells us you need to eat some food, loneliness is a sign of you need to get connected. You need to get good connection. But you say, but... But I tried getting connected, and I got hurt. Well, the struggle is real. Because that that is the nature of connection, isn't it? 
Will you get hurt? Yes. Relationships are risky, but loneliness is deadly. Relationships are risky, but loneliness is deadly. And I, I would love to stand up here and say, you know, if you just get in a small group of people and it's, you're going to have this blissful, wonderful connection, relationships where, you know, you just flowers fly up around in the background around you as you talk. And for guys, it's like fish jump into the boat. <laughs> but the reality is it doesn't happen that way. Relationships are awkward. Connection is awkward. But it's worth it. And uh, it's really interesting. And I read a, read a book called uh, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was basically was one of the few pastors who resisted um, the Nazi movement in Germany. And he talked, a, he, he talked, talked a lot about, you imagine what the strength of your, like the church community would have to be like to, to withstand that type of season. And so he, he talked a lot about, like, we have to live life together or we're not going to make it through this. And he, he talked about this. He said, innumerable times a whole Christian community has broken down because it sprung from an ideal or from idealism. In other words, there was this idyllic picture of how church should be. And his, in his writing, he basically taught, that's the most dangerous thing to healthy church there is, is having this idealism about how church should be. And then he, he went, went on, God is not a God of the emotions, but is, he's a God of truth. And only the fellowship which, which faces such disillusionment with all its unhappy and ugly aspects begins to be what it should be in God's sight. Begins to grasp the faith of the pro promise that's given to it. And the sooner this shock of disillusionment comes to an individual and to a community, the better for both. In case you're not following along, he's basically saying, the sooner you're disappointed with your church community, the better. <laughs> because your idealism, it's killing everybody. It's killing you, it's killing your church, and it's killing your friends. Idealism kills relationships. It's, idealisms are great when you're painting pictures. They're terrible in relationships. Relationships are hard. Relationships take work. Relationships means somebody has to grab that string and yank that sucker off your face. But we're better. And he goes on to say, he who loves the dream of a community more than the community itself becomes a destroyer of the community. Even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial, God hates visionary dreaming. You'd never see this in a book today. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of a community demand that, demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. And he enters the community of Christians with his demands. He sets up his own laws and judges the, bre the brethren and God himself accordingly. So in case you didn't follow that, when you enter into Christian community with ideals, you end up judging everybody, even God himself, by your ideals. And in that process, we, we end up destroying the community. 
All right, happy times. John 17 was, this was at the Last Supper. Jesus was kind of giving some of the final instructions to, to his disciples. And the, the main theme of John chapter 17 was about getting us to live in truth and in relationship with one another. In spe- specific, specifically in context of the church. John 17, 17, it says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And then he went on just a few verses later. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am you. His, his prayer in this, John 17, was that we would experience deep and meaningful relationships with God and with each other, but that they would be based on truth. And this is what the church is. The church is not a building. It's not a, it, it's not a scheduled service. But it's a place where we connect with God and we connect with each, with each other in a meaningful way. Church doesn't just happen here. Church happens everywhere. During the week. During our interactions. The church isn't a building. It's relationships and it's connection. And one of the things we have to remember is that it's, it, the church wasn't man's idea. The church was God's idea. And the church... Even though it's God's idea, we mess with it. Like we mess with everything. We think we can do better. But the church, the church is messy because it's people. But Jesus also said it would be the church that the gates of hell would not prevail against. He didn't say it was the individual living in faith. He said it would be his church. That, that hell itself would not be able to prevail against his church. And so let, as I finish up here, I want to I encourage us in a couple of, of things that uh, can help us. Because some of us, well, 40% of us, we look at this challenge. And, and, and when I talk about relationships, I'm not just talking about relationships where we share, where we tell our stories. I'm talking relationships where we can be vulnerable where we can tell we can tell where we can actually reveal our hearts and and I want I also want to encourage you don't try and do this with 50 people don't try and do this with 50 people that's Melissa says more than two less than ten I think you said more than two. I would. I'm pretty sure. I'm. I'm pretty sure you said more than two, less than ten. We. We can rewind the video and find out, though. Rewind the video. I just dated myself there, didn't I? But I would recommend for many here, it's just like, just get one. Just get one person that you can actually be vulnerable with. And, and by the way, you don't do this at lunch today. This is something that you, you, you need to... One of the values of small groups and meeting with small groups, which will be starting soon, is so you can find the one or two people that you can actually connect with on a deeper level. Small groups give us that sharing level of commitment and relationship that we, we, can, 
we can tell our stories and we can listen to the stories, but that, that intimate, more vulnerable moment, you, it's in that small group you tend to find that person, that one or two that, that you, really, you can really connect with. I'm just scanning here because in my typical fashion, I brought too many notes to the stage. All right. Let me just say this. Isolation. If you do nothing, isolation is the natural path. Isolation is the easy path to take. That it's, in fact, it's the default path. We, we tend to live lives that lead us more and more into isolation. Nothing drifts into a state of improvement. Have you noticed this? Things improve because of intentional choices. And I'll just say this, connections don't just happen on their own. Connections happen because we, because we get intentional about making connections. Connections will change your destiny. Connections will change the course of your life. And it's, it's funny, you know, in our, in our modern-day culture, we move for money. Like, you know, we, well, I, I got this really good opportunity. I can make a lot of money, so I'm going to move to make money. But it would really be, it would really be wiser for us to move for relationships, to move, to get into healthy relationships, to say, you know what, I might have to sacrifice some of my work time to make this connection time happen. And there's something that happens in healthy relationship. All right. For relationships to grow, we must be intentional. Ephesians 4 says, you should not be like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions, which if you read this Ephesians 4, the empty delusion is this, my life is only about myself, my needs, and my pleasures. What I want is most important. That's the empty delusion. And then he goes on to say, verse 31, lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, and instead be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. For relationships to grow, we must be intentional in the way that we interact with others. Graciously forgiving. And so here's a couple, here's a couple of uh, practices that will help us overcome the cons of relationships. One is have a group of trusted friends or just a, a, small, a small group, even one or two of trusted friends you can be vulnerable with. It's okay to have shallow connections, but we need more than shallow connections. And for many people, this will be a game changer. They, some, someone, it was one psychologist that had said that, and I'm going to get the quote wrong, but it basically, it's anxiety and fear are not the result of going through pain. Anxiety and fear are the result of going through pain alone. And this will, for some, it'll be a game changer just to have one person in your life that you can talk to. 
Oscar Wilde said, good friends stab you in the front. <laughs> they talk honestly, they counsel, they rebuke, they speak well. Friends speak the truth in love. Friends don't always tell you what you want to hear, but they will tell you what you need to hear. Do you have faithful friends in your life who you have given permission to wound you? Who can speak the hard truths? Friendship is vulnerability over time. You show up and you keep showing up. And then you keep showing up and then you keep showing up. The con is that this takes intentionality and work. And the, for, for the disconnected, this, this can seem like a very overwhelming path to take. Especially if uh, Monica asked the question last week, how many have ever, how many have reached out? What was it was in the last year have reached out or initiated? How long? Okay, yeah, so uh, how long? And a number of the answers were, were, it's been over a year since I've initiated a friendship. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. And we live in a world that idolizes being comfortable. And so we try and eliminate things, but the things that make us strong aren't things that make us comfortable. If you want a workout pre program that makes you comfortable, I mean, it's going to be curl the chip to the mouth, curl the chip to the mouth. Like, that'll make you comfortable, but it won't make you strong. And relationships are no different. The things that make us strong don't make us comfortable, but they do make us strong. And let me, here's just a, this is a good starting point. I've, I know I've talked about a lot of things that for, for some of you, this is the, the air that you breathe and, and you're probably a lot healthier than your average person. But for a lot of people in this room, I know that this is, when you think of the, the thought of intimate, close connections or a, an intimate relationship, it's like, I don't even know where to start with this. It's been decades since I've had that type of friendship. A lot of us had those types of friendships in high school or college, but then life, and they start to drift away. A great place to start is just get in the habit. We talked about this practice, is a meal with others. Just begin eating with people again. Just say, hey, do you got time for lunch? You got time for supper? You guys want to come over? There's something about eating together reminds us that we need each other. It reminds us that from the, from the process from the beginning to the end, people are involved in our life. We need people to survive. We made this strange flip in society where we begin, we begin to treat... We've treated stopping and eating with others as a luxury when it should be, and we view working as essential when we should actually be flipping that and saying working is a luxury and people are essential. The daily habit of eating together reminds us that, of what we're created to be, dependent and connected beings. One of, the single, one of the biggest single predictors of success in families and children is whether or not they eat together as a family. 
And there's been a lot of talk in the last few, maybe you've heard, heard this in the, in the health world, there's a, a lot of talk about blue zones. And, what, and a blue zone is basically a part of the world that has more centenarians than any other part of the world. People that live to be over 100. And a lot of people go into these blue zones looking, what's the secret food? Like, what do they eat that's secret? Well, I, I can tell you there are commonalities. One, they eat real food. Processed food is not a, a part of their regular menu. That alone, probably two decades on your life. But you know, one of the things that you find common in all of these is they eat together. They prepare meals together and they eat together. We've lost this in our, in our Western culture. We've lost it. There's cultures coming to North America that could teach it to us because they're coming from places that still value it. But just, just the habit, just the habit of eating together will add years to your life add years to your life and it will also help you get connected to others all right I'm done let's stand up too many notes but this is this is sometimes the hardest aspect at times for us to actually wrestle with is the fact that to say yes to God means I have to say yes to that person next to me or behind me or in front of me because that's what church is. It's us called out together. And I think when God did that, he knew this will be the biggest challenge these people ever face. That's why he took a chapter his departing message to say I pray that they'll be one as I as the, as the father and I are one so father I pray that I pray that as we as we go from this place today we wouldn't just go and go oh that was a nice little message with some fine points to take for statistics but that there would be a challenge in our hearts to say how, how am I just allowing the culture around me to just shape me? And, and what steps can I take to allow truth and God's church to shape me into what you want me to be? Father, I pray for, I pray for those that are in this place and the, the thought of connecting with others is overwhelming. Or the thought of reconnecting. Maybe it's past disappointments. Maybe it's there were great connections at one time, but then they were lost, and it just seems overwhelming to try and start over again. Father, I pray that we would choose to take that step, that step of faith, that you will lead us where you want us to be, that step of faith that says it might be hard, but it will be good. It might not be easy, but it, it will do good things in my life and in the lives of those around me. Let's just put our hands on our hearts and just say, Jesus, help me to have a heart that connects with people, that connects with your church, connects with you, you personally, 
but also connects to my neighbor. Would you heal those areas? And begin to heal those areas of isolation, where I've drawn away, where I've been afraid to try again. I trust you. Help me to trust you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And I want to pray one more prayer. It's a prayer saying yes to Jesus. It's a prayer saying yes to following him. And uh, we pray this every Sunday. And if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I want to be included in that prayer. I want to say yes to following Jesus. I want to say yes to following him. Then you can just pray with me as I pray. Jesus, I say yes to you. I want to follow you. I want to follow your plan and your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.